life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. For my very first episode, I thought I'd give you guys, the listeners, an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about me and about my story and about why this is all so important to me and what Lemonade is all about. So I invited my dear friend Georgia in to ask me a few questions. Hello. Hello. I feel like I was about to say welcome. It's not my podcast. <laughs> well, I'll say back to you. Welcome. Okay, welcome. Thank you for having me and also welcome. <laughs> and welcome to your house. <laughs> How's your day been? It's been really good. It's absolutely beautiful in Melbourne at the moment. Like winter oh, has just oh. gone. Like you can feel, finally feel like you're kind of coming out of that like cocoon, that slump. I actually think spring is the best season, not because it's the best season, but it's the anticipation mm, of summer mm. is actually better than summer itself. That Don't smell, you it's that smell in oh, the air. Oh, yes. Mm, that colony smell. Uh, <laughs> That's actually bit, irritating your eyes. My eyes so itchy right now. Don't talk about pollen, please. <laughs> All right, so we're here to kind of turn the tables mm. before you kick off and interview everyone else. I'm going to interview you so we Perfect. can get to know you a bit better. So you ready to go? I am. Let's do it. All right, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. It is. What was life like for you growing up as Elizabeth? I always had, I always say that I was really blessed with an amazing childhood and lifestyle, like I'm very close with my family. We always, you know, I went to a great school. I had amazing friends. I did all kinds of different hobbies. Anything I kind of wanted to do, my parents were like, yep, great, give it a go. So I felt like, you know, I had every opportunity to do whatever I wanted. And I think that's a really big thing when you're young. You don't feel like you ever missed out. And I was always very active, very sporty. I did dancing and singing. And then there was a little while where I thought I was a musician, so I would (laughs) play the drums and the guitar. And I was never very good, but mum thought I was. So... Yeah, it was a really, really good childhood and I was always very driven and determined and always wanted to make something of myself and really do not only myself proud but my family proud as well. Oh, that's really yeah. nice. Thank that's you. That's a nice sentiment to even look back on and realise that you did that. Yeah, it was always in my head just wanting to, I guess that comes a little bit down to people pleasing but just wanting to people to be proud of you around you. And how did people around you, how would they describe you? Whether that's, you know, kind of school age when you were younger, Mm. how would people describe you? I think it'd be fair to say always very, I was the loud kind of jokey one. Like I was always the one that, okay, I have a knack and I think I got it from my dad of being a little bit of a troublemaker in class, Mm -hmm. but somehow getting away with it and it was everyone around me that got in trouble. (laughs) I know exactly (laughs) that about you. Just to give you all a little bit of context, Georgia and I worked together. That's where we met each other in Hobart maybe four or five years ago. I can't even remember now. And I think that's what I was like. That's exactly what you were like. I would always get in trouble for stuff and it was you who had done it. And you just sit there and giggle at your desk while I was getting told off. And I used to think back to things I used to do in high school and they were so naughty. But somehow I was a prefect and house captain. (laughs) And I think that just sums me up perfectly. It's like 
but you were like this and did this. But why did the teachers then make you that? Like, why didn't they see that? What you're actually saying is you're a master manipulator. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. You can ask all my ex-boyfriends that as well. (laughs) No, don't ask. Don't ask them. They don't have nice things to say. (laughs) We're not friends with them. (laughs) All right, so after school you went on, um, we know that you did a degree in journalism. Mm -hmm. You tell me why you decided to do that and then what your career looked or looks like in journalism. Yeah, so I decided around in year 10 that I wanted to do journalism because I had an interest in news and world affairs and I liked writing and I think when you're in school you're just like that's kind of what I'm good at and what I like so I'm just going to do that and so that was just always the natural progression there was a little detour in uni when I decided to DJ but we we don't have to (laughs) go there (laughs) just seven on a Thursday night in boutique on a Saturday night But then I, you know, realised I, I didn't want to be a DJ and um, went back to pursuing journalism. Well, not went back, just kind of put more effort into it, I guess. And I always really wanted to do TV journalism, but I started in print and I, I did love print as well. And I got my first job at a magazine in Melbourne and I started as the EH, but also a shit kicker. Like, you know, it was like we needed new toilet rolls. I had to go get toilet rolls, mm. cleaning people's dirty plates in the kitchen because people are pigs in offices and just leave their dirty Aren't plates. They? It's so gross. I just have to scrape people's food oh, off. Yuck. And this I'm like, this I is what I meant when I said, can you give us an <laughs> overview of your career? <laughs> However, like, doesn't that sum up journalism? <laughs> journalism. <laughs> Very good. Maybe this should be your podcast. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Yeah, um, okay, thank you. You're listening to Lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, so that was the kind of roles I did. And then I worked my way up and started writing. And within about two years, I was writing the cover stories. And I was really liking that. But I really wanted to do TV. So I got a job out in Bendigo working for regional broadcaster out there. And George is nodding at me because she did the same job just before me. And I think we both, we didn't realise. We didn't know each other. But had nervous breakdowns yeah, we job. both had exactly the same experience <laughs> the worst from ever. from my point of view it was at the end of the week I was getting a paycheck that said on it journalist mm. and that was literally the only thing that got me mm. through and we weren't we really we weren't, weren't but it was then. just yeah anyway stuck out that for 10 months cried a lot during that time and then I got offered a job in Hobart as an on-the-road reporter and that was amazing to me because I think for anyone that doesn't know if you want to be particularly a TV reporter, you've got to go out. You can't, you don't really just get a job in a metro city like Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane. And Hobart was awesome to me because it was a cap, it is a capital city, but it's still got that regional feel. So I shifted down there. And by that time I was actually, I don't know if I was, no, I wasn't engaged yet, but I had a boyfriend and all my family and friends. So that was really big for me to move into state. And I just loved it down there though. I made so many friends, not so much you, but a lot of other people. <laughs> a lot not of other people. This interview, anyway. <laughs> a lot of other people that um I still, you know, really care about. And <laughs> oh God. I remember to ask you their names. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no. And yeah, loved it down there. I did all kinds of things. And then I think then I got engaged when I was living down there. And I think after about two years, I was just kind of done with knocking on all the Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10's doors and just thought, right, I'm just going to come home and work it out when I go home. And on the ferry ride home on the Spirit of Tasmania, as fate would have it, the Channel 7 news director's like, we've got reporting and producing shifts for you when you get back. So can I just jump in here to say that 
was the absolute epitome to me of Elizabeth Neal. <laughs> Those things only happened to you. <laughs> you reckon? Absolutely. And this goes back to what you were just saying about at school, you'd be the naughty one, but somehow the good things would come to you. And I don't know if it's like a law of attraction thing, if it's a, you know, a good karma thing, but you would just kind of, other people would stress about things mm. and you'd go, I don't know, something's going to work itself out, and it just does. And I think that, yeah, and I think I had that blind faith and I was always rewarded with that because I think when you jump, the universe kind of catches you. So I decided I was ready and I wasn't ready to wait for an opportunity to come anymore. I wanted it to come, so I was going to make it happen. And it almost, like, I think when you kind of do that, it catches up with you in a way. It kind of rewards a brave spirit that's ready to take that plunge without knowing where they're going to land. And I think that's what I've always done my entire life and probably why, yeah, opportunities then have presented itself when, as you know, you know, it's like almost impossible to get gigs. And it's not that I was better than anybody else. It just happened to be the right time and I just happened to quit at the right time and be on the ferry at the right time. So you then started working for Channel 7 in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So I started working for Channel 7, dream job. I'd moved back with my fiancé in our dream house. Yeah, dream job. And I start, I did my very first reporting shift. So I'd been producing then my very first, first reporting shift on New Year's Day. And I was just like, everything is coming together. Everything's coming up Millhouse, basically. <laughs> <laughs> everything's great. And I can't find one fault in my life. Like everything just felt so perfect and amazing. And then the next day I was late for my period. And I was like, oh, but it'll be fine. You know, I'm only 25. Your second day of work. Second day of work. And I was like, I'll just take a test, but it'll absolutely be fine because I'm only 25. This isn't in my plan. And of course, two little pink lines show up. And from that moment, nothing is ever the same. Like that is the bookmark in my life. Or there's a few actually of before that moment and after that moment, because every single thing, every, the way I thought about myself, the world, my relationships changed in that moment. Wow. Okay. So then I suppose that's a good lead in to talk about your son, Ollie. Mm-hmm. He's three now. He's three. How's yeah, he doing? How are you doing? So with him? good. He's so 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 good. I I think back to that new that newborn time because it was a bit of a rough time when he was born. He was actually born six weeks early, so he was taken off me very soon after I gave birth, which is what you never never picture as being a mum that your baby's taken away. Luckily, he was actually quite a big baby for being six weeks early. He was two and a half kilos, which some full term babies are. So. Maybe it's a bit of a blessing, actually, looking oh, back that I didn't push out. having to give birth to him six weeks later. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to think. So that was, when I think back to the newborn stage, that was really challenging, I guess, because I was, you know, all of a sudden a mum, all of a sudden a new mum, all of a sudden a mum to a preemie baby and um, navigating all of that and learning how to be a mum and learning my new role in my life, in the world. So I think back to that and it felt so difficult But I loved it. I always loved being his mum. But now it's just like, I don't know, when they're just toddlers, like they're just, I don't even know if, I don't even know if three-year-olds are toddlers anymore, preschools, I'm not sure. (laughs) They're just like these little people and he just tells me he loves me all the time. And you know what's really weird actually? You know that, okay, this is not good for a podcast medium, but (laughs) I've got like this freckle birthmark on my hand that I've always had. It's really weird because your son doesn't really go there. So no one ever has freckles on on their palm. uh, Sorry, in your palm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And this morning I was feeding Ollie breakfast and I just looked at his hand. He's got a mark in the exact same oh spot. Oh, my God. Is that really weird? Wow. Because that's not like freckles aren't ge- – No. Placement it's, it's of a, freckles aren't ge- genetic. I was like trying to rub it off thinking now it must just be a bit of dirt or something. But Oh, my sure God. Enough, I know. So that kind of ties in for me being quite spiritual about him just being like this little – my little soulmate, my little little person I feel like I've known forever. And I'm sure we'll get there, but, you know, just someone that's helped me without even knowing this little soul has just helped me and given me so much love and changed my world forever. I just, I literally can't even remember what it's like pre-baby. Like, mm. who was? I'm going to ask you. What was <laughs> I like pre Like, what did I do? Did well, I just you know have freedom? <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I love the most about you was you're exactly the same. You exactly the same. So many people when they have children change and that's not a negative thing or a mm. bad thing, but they change because their priorities shift. You know, their world completely changes. Yours has, but you've stayed the same. Yeah, that's and that's what I love. I still I see you as much with Ollie as without. You know, if you want to go out for dinner, you'll you know, Ollie will stay with your mum or yeah. something. And I, I think that's a really important thing yeah. for friendships. But mm. then also having Ollie in my life as well. And you're no different when you're with him to when you're not with him. Oh, so. that's really nice. There you go. Maybe no, I just do a little nice bit more person. when he's not around. <laughs> not a nice person, just the same person. No, oh, yeah. well, well, yeah, no, well, I'll take that. <laughs> now, you said you said he helps you. You've mm. also made mention of the fact that you've had a couple of bookmarks in mm. your life. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what you mean by that? So as I mentioned that I was engaged, I'm absolutely, there's absolutely no ring on my finger now. And I think the last few years, that was 2016, Ollie was born, but why that was also a challenging period was because my fiance at the time kind of withdrew a lot and went shortly after my son's birth. So when I look back at that per- at that period, I reflect on it as, as a time that I was alone a lot anyway, which is already confronting being a, being a new mum, but realising you kind of felt very alone from the beginning. And so there was a lot of issues, but I always just thought, and I think a lot of mums will resonate with it, that everything will work out because it has to work out because no one ever dreams of being a single mum. That's never in anybody's goals, never. And so it had to be okay. So even though we were having issues, I still believed that he still loved me enough and I loved him enough that it would work out. It was just a teething period. It was just adjusting to having a new baby. So that went on like that for about eight months. And then one morning I discovered that my fiance was having an affair. And that is the, when I say I had a few bookmarks, when you discover something like that, when you, it wasn't even in my realm of possibilities that that could have been an option of why things were happening, things were the way they were. And when you discover that your entire life feels like it implodes and is tipped on its head. And you know very well, I was actually supposed to be going away with Georgia and our other friend, Steph, that morning for a few days when I discovered it and I sent them both a text message at 4.30 in the morning saying I can't go and this is why. And, of course, they were asleep and Steph was the first one to wake, which is not surprising at all. <laughs> and uh, she messaged and she, she was the first one that called me and my ex had left a couple of hours earlier and I had just been in a comatose state on the floor ever since and she was the first one to call me and she said what's happened and I just started screaming because I the funny thing is I wasn't able to speak I wasn't even crying when I made this discovery and we'd been arguing 
I completely became numb with it's shock. Shock, yeah. Compl- but I always had this idea. I think when you're young, what it would be like if you were cheated on, and how you'd react. And I think I thought I'd be this real like, you know, strong, get the bu- yeah, get out. Like I don't need you anyway. But like, it's just, it's not like that in, at all. And I just remember there was just this little light in the bathroom that I just had to stare at because if I closed my eyes, I pictured all kinds of awful things. So that I was in that state for a few hours until she called, and then. Steph came straight over and then you then messaged and were over not long after that and cared for me in those in those hours that were so horrendously mind-boggling. I think one minute I'd be almost laughing and playing with Ollie. He was only eight months old, I should say, and the next moment I'm hysterically crying and then the next moment I'm so angry and sending very angry messages that you were trying, you guys were trying to stop me from sending. Very hard. Failed. (laughs) And uh, it was just, yeah, when that day, I think, was just. Yeah, I don't even know a word for it. So it was was one of the most traumatic things I've been through. Yeah. Seeing you go through that. And we'll talk about this on an episode of your podcast, but I've been through a couple of traumatic (laughs) things in my life. This is genuinely one of them. Mm. Seeing someone you love so much being that broken was incredibly confronting and tough for us. Mm. I know that that whole situation was way more confronting mm. and tough for you. Sometimes but it's harder being the almost oh, harder being no, the other harder. Yeah, but watching it because there's nothing you guys could have done except, you know, you guys were changing all these nappies and making sure I ate and making sure I napped and and. I just, I can't imagine what that day would have been like, not having someone saying, right, have a shower, right, go and lie down. It was just, it was absolutely, you know, and Ollie was, as I said, Ollie was eight months old. He had no idea what was going on at all. The only nice part of that whole day that I remember, or not even that day, you know, we were kind of there for probably about a week. The (laughs) only nice part of that, but it was actually so beautiful, was Ollie was asleep when we got there. And, you know, you were beside yourself and you have been for, I think it was maybe a couple of hours. And then Ollie woke up and your mum was there by that point. So no, she... mum was away. Oh, that's it right. Was, um, my ex's mum was over yes, helping of course, me, which was course. really beautiful. Yeah. So she went and got Ollie up, brought him upstairs where we were, and he just grinned from ear to ear at you and you giggled and you yeah. laughed. I was like, how magical is this? The most horrible thing has just happened to you, but Ollie doesn't know that mm. and he doesn't need to know that. No. He's here and he's happy and he's happy to see you and you were happy to see him. It was a really, really beautiful moment, really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, well, I don't even remember that. That's really yeah. beautiful. There's so much I don't really remember. And obviously through all that, which was just so horrendous, it obviously doesn't end with just one day, but I do remember very early on when I was lying in that state having – Two options of making it work with my ex for the sake of our son, but that I remember thinking that wasn't going to work because I was never going to be able to forgive what had happened. And that option would have meant, I remember being young and running into my mum and dad's bedroom when I was little, when you wake up in the morning and jumping on the bed. And I remember thinking, Ollie will go to run down into our bedroom like I did and he'll hear mum and dad fighting. Without a doubt, because it was it was just it was would have taken a lot of work that I probably wasn't willing to do. Or the option is that we don't get back together, which God was I went to bed with a family the night before, so the fact I was thinking this mere hours later, or we separate and Ollie goes to run down into 
his parent, my room and it's just me and I'm happy and I'm smiling mm. and I'm laughing and I'm so happy he's there. And exactly the same when he's with his dad, that happens yeah. as well. And for me, just so early on within those first few hours, that was the no brainer of like, I'm, I won't go back to that situation. Mm. And I was, am so determined as well to set a really positive example to my son of what you don't, as a woman, you can't, you can't treat women like that firstly. And I need to be a really strong female role model in his life to show him how smart and capable and incredible women can be and empowering women can be as well. And I just, I just hope that one day he looks back and he sees photos of me and his dad and him, because we do a lot of co-parenting activities and he just sees us all and goes, oh, mum, were you guys together then? And I'll say, oh, no. And he'll say, well, what about here? Because we were on a holiday earlier this year altogether. And I'll say, no. And I can only imagine he'll then realise that, that we came together and through all the pain and all what happened, we came together for him. Yeah. And to have that moment that he can look back on and, and think, wow, that was all for the love of me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've always tried to lead co-parenting and being a mum and dealing with someone that broke your heart is through a place of love. Mm. Even though sometimes I might slip and I might get it, you know, it might get the best of me. But if I always try and choose that place of love and what's best for my son and what is best for me ultimately, like, you know, holding on to anger and resentment, which has taken about two and a bit years to really be able to let go of, was only hurting me. Yeah, of course. And in turn hurting Ollie because I wasn't being the best mum that I want to be for him. You're very hard on yourself because you were being the best (laughs) mum. Thank you. You're very hard on yourself. You've been very open about this whole story and about how that's continued on, about co-parenting, as you said, through your blog, Bambi and Baby. Mm -hmm. Was there kind of some cathartic feelings going into that? Why did you start that Mm. blog? Very early on, I always wanted to start a blog, a mummy blog, like everybody does when they have a baby. <laughs> and then I obviously everything happened and I remember just thinking, well, here's, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what how you're supposed to channel what you've been through to help other people. So obviously being a writer and being a journalist, it was very natural for me to just sit and write. And uh, for months I just wrote what I was experiencing, what I was going through, bad days, great days, everything in between, co-parenting. And it took a few months and then my other best friend, Tara, she created a website for me and I just, with about 10 different posts, just one night went launch, put it out there, thinking, was pretty nervous, but I thought, nah, probably no one's going to read it, but at least it'll be something for me to look back on one day. And within within 24 hours, the response was huge. I just had, I had Mamma Mia contact me the next morning. So many countless women contact me thanking me because my story made them feel less alone or it gave them hope if, because they were going through something similar. And although the writing part was incredibly therapeutic for me, getting it out, it was speaking and reaching out to this community I had created of people who suddenly felt empowered to share, not only share their story, but reach out to other people and know that no matter what they're going through, there are other examples like me because I felt so incredibly alone. None of my friends have children, let alone single mums. So I just felt like I was the only single mum in the whole world, which is ridiculous, but you do feel like that. And 
that for me, knowing, you know, I'd created this community and knowing people were looking to my blog for, for to make them feel better and receiving the most incredible, beautiful messages that made me just burst into tears. And I received one the other day that I was just bawling my eyes. And this just the things that people have said to me have in some crazy way made it feel all worth it because it, mm. I remember thinking this can't be for nothing, this pain can't be for nothing. It has to be channeled into something more uplifting and positive and it has to be able to help other people, otherwise what was the point? Mm. That's an amazing way to look at it. Thanks. Very, very <laughs> positive. I think it's wonderful. Now, is that the same kind of reason this podcast came about? How have we ended up here? It is. So I think, you know, always doing journalism and being a TV journalist, I'm used to – Speaking and I mm. love speaking. I speak too much. No. I overshare. No, no, I know. You would never, never have thought, thought it. Never, 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 never. <laughs> no, I speak a lot and I'm always sharing. And although I love writing, you know, I think podcasts just have grown so much. And it's always been a little niggle in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, geez, that'd be good to do it. And but this year, although it's been two and a bit years since that day. Funnily enough, it wasn't until about April of this year that things got really bad. I don't know what my body just gave out and couldn't couldn't deal with all the stress. I'd been living in flight or fight state for years and I developed really anxiety and I've been going through it, really had to deal with a lot, a lot, a lot of heavy stuff the last few months that I finally feel like I've got the at the other end of. But in the back of my head was always this niggle of, you know, once you're through this, you have to be able to share this as well. And maybe it's time to, you know, still have your blog, but maybe there's another medium and podcasts always interest me. I always love listening to them. So it felt like a really natural progression. But I wanted to create something that I would have wanted to have listened to mm. not only earlier this year, but in 2017 as well. I wanted a place to listen that I could hear stories of women and men and not necessarily gone through the exact same thing, but have somehow managed to pull themselves out of the worst events of their life and be a better person in a way and and inspire others to do the same. Really stories of empowerment and up, um, of being uplifted. And so that's where that idea came from. And I thought I was talking with my life coach because, of course, everyone in 2019 needs a life coach. <laughs> and we were chatting about it and she's like, you know, what about a name? Like, tell, or talk me through the idea behind it. And I was saying what I was saying then. I'm like, it's people finding silver linings. It's people, you know, pushing through. It's people doing this. I'm like, it's people turning their lemons into lemonade. And I'm like, oh, I got it. Is. <laughs> like, it's lemonade. And then I was like, wait, is this Coffee and Beyonce? Like, or am I just feeling too highly of myself right now that Beyonce would even care about Beyonce my little podcast? Didn't do a podcast so. <laughs> I feel like it's paying homage to the woman who was cheated on and managed to turn that situation into a Grammy Award winning multi-million dollar, whatever. I'm sure she made a shitload of money from it. I feel like it was more than multi I'm sure it was as well. <laughs> to manage to turn it around and I'm like, that's kind of paying tribute to, I don't know, you know, she's like the ultimate kind of queen diva. Exactly. And then funnily enough, I was listening to the album the other day and I'm a very, very big believer in signs. And I, I was looking at it on Spotify and I just flicked down and she released the album on my birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> and just felt, I was like, oh my God, you've got, so it was all these little things that kept happening. And then, you know, now I've kind of started it and I've done, you know, speaking to you soon and it feels all really, really exciting. And it feels all very, very in alignment, which I think if anyone knows what I'm talking about. It's when feel things just feel like they're flowing rather than you're going against the tide and mm. rather than pu- pushing shit uphill, it feels very 
like a natural extension of myself Mm. rather than something that feels foreign. Is that why this is important to you? Yeah, well, it's important to me because funnily enough, it utilizes all the skills I've learned over my career, but Also, it goes back to what the blog was all about. It's all about making people feel less alone. And I really just want people to listen to it and listen to other people's stories that I'll and by the end know that it will be okay. Hmm. Wow, if they went through that, I can get through this too. Or just stories of inspiration or even you don't even have to have gone through a massive life event. You can just be feeling in in a rut. And you can hear how people have managed to pull themselves out of something so much harder and you think, well, I I can do that too. Yeah, so, yeah. So who will you be speaking to then? Well, I'm speaking to a range of people. There's one you might have heard of. Her name's Georgia. Don't know. Don't know. I'll see how it is. I might not even put it there. (laughs) I just put this question in here so you talk about me rather than yourself for a while. (laughs) Oh, I've actually got to go after this. Did I not tell you that? So George is one of them, which I've always found you, which we will get to pumping your tires in the next, in the next podcast, <laughs> <Right>. but <laughs> incredibly, incredibly inspirational, but I've, there's a, quite a few lined up that all women so far, I think I just resonate with female stories so much and that female spirit, but yeah, just stories of people that have managed to turn their lemons into lemonade is the common theme for everyone. And I'm really, really, really excited to release it. I'm looking at every fortnightly at the moment, but then it might go to weekly, but Yeah. And just to finish this up, I might know the answer from what you said about her albums, but who would you say inspires you? Well, I think her, that real boss babe, strong empowerment, female energy is, is something I try and, you know, love and channel. But I think I find you very, very, very inspiring because of you. I was saying to my mum the way here, actually, the way that you just managed to so much has been thrown at you and somehow you managed to put a smile on your face and still love everyone around you. And I literally don't know how you do that. So that, that stoic strength is something that I find incredibly inspiring. I think my mom as well, because she's Mm. been through a bit and still manages to be such an incredible mother and care for me and my son so much. Oprah. Like, how can Oprah not be an inspiration? Obviously. And I think all the women that I'll be speaking to on this podcast are definitely my inspirations and you'll see why when you listen to them because obviously everyone's going to listen to every single one. Well, that's good. No, you've (laughs) you've sold it to me. I'm actually really excited to hear who you've got, all their stories, Mm. and just to feel like, you know, positive Mm. boss bitch. Yeah. The God is a woman. Exactly. Feel good about it. Yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. Well, thank you for telling me a bit about yourself no and worries. thanks for having me on. And I'm sure everyone listening will agree with me that we can't wait to hear Lemonade. Thank you so much. So that is the first one done and dusted. Thank you so very much, guys, for listening. It means so much to me, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Now I've got the most incredible lineup of guests and I can't wait to share all of their stories with you. So if that excites you in any way, I would absolutely love for you to hit subscribe and leave a positive five-star review that helps other people find the podcast. You can also hit me up on Instagram at Bambi and Baby underscore. I'd love for you to reach out and say hello. Let me know what you think or if you've got a suggestion for a guest you think would be a perfect fit for the show I'm all ears I also do want to send a very big thank you to Georgia for sitting down and having a chat with me for this podcast you can find her at at Georgie a love on Instagram thank you so much guys until next time
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.